Welcome to the Shalhaba Community Church Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by the following message. So we want to continue our journey being rich in what matters most. And uh, I'm going to be, be, be looking at being a rich giver this morning. And uh, we started the journey a couple of weeks ago with this thought, uh, the good news that we, that, we, that we sort of rolled out in week one. The good news is that we are all so rich. Amen. Turn to the person next to you and say, I'm rich. Come on. I am rich. You mightn't feel rich today and you might be sitting there saying, well, you're just kidding me. You've got no idea. But I want to say to you today that the truth is, in your world and in your position right now, if you earn $30,000 or more per year, you're on the top 1% of money earners on the globe. Top 1%. If you earn in excess of $80,000, that puts you in the top one-tenth of the 1% of money earners across the globe. And uh, we said a couple of weeks ago, we should get people that are earning over $80,000 to put their hand up and we can have an offering. Amen. (laughs) (laughs) But you know, anyone anyone earning over $30,000, you're in the top 1% of money earners on the planet today. The truth is, you and I are very, very rich. And we saw that that's the good news, that we are so, so filthy rich. You mightn't think it, you mightn't feel it, but God wants us to get a revelation about the truth of how rich we actually are. Like I said a couple of weeks ago, you'll finish service here, you'll jump in your car, you'll turn the aircon on, you'll stream your iPhone that probably costs $2,000 to your, uh, your, um, your car, and then you'll drive home, you'll push the button, you'll go into your garage, you'll go to your refrigerator and get out your, your, your lunch as such, turn your aircon on if it's a little bit warm, and then you'll sit in front of the TV and stream something on Netflix. We are so rich, it's not funny. It's crazy how rich we are. So that's the good news. We're so rich. But the bad news that we shared, the bad news is that we are so rich. So the good news is we're rich. That's great news. But the bad news is, is that we are rich as well. Because often what we find is that many people use their riches for themselves and they never use their riches in a way that brings glory and honor to God. Hallelujah, kumbaya. We never use our riches. All of our riches are about ourselves, but we never use our riches in a way that brings glory to God. Amen? And so this morning, I just want to touch on, on it. What, what, what we looked at last week, we looked at a verse of Scripture in Matthew chapter 13, and we looked at what Jesus talked about, about the deceitfulness of riches. It says this in Matthew 13, Jesus telling the parable about the seed and the sower. He says, Now he who received seed among the thorns is he who heard the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he or she becomes unfruitful. So right, they get the word, they believe, but then the deceitfulness of their riches, in other words, they start to believe and think that all the wealth and all the riches that God has given them is about them. And then the deceitfulness of that starts to choke the word within them. And potentially they fall away. The truth is money competes for the priority of our hearts. Hello? Money is a false God because it promises what only God can give. First little thought about that 
is that money promises joy and happiness. The more money you have, the happier you will be. Amen. Remember I said it last week, it might have been or the week before. Remember when you got that, that new thing that you wanted, you didn't need it, but you went and bought it potentially with money that you didn't have? And then when you got it, the happiness lengths and longevity of that happiness you thought would go on forever and ever and ever and ever and ever, but it didn't. Only God can give us true joy and true happiness. But the world would tell us that the more money that we have, the happier we will be. I've met some really, really wealthy people in my time, and I've seen that many of them are so tight they would not give you a wave if they owned the ocean. True. People can have so much money, and yet money promises to make us happy and to bring us joy. It doesn't. Only God can do that. Another thing that money promises as well, money promises security. The more money I have, the more secure my future will be. Well, when you go home today, I want to encourage you, if you've got taking notes, you've got a pen or your phone there, I want you to read in Luke chapter 12 the account of the man who had the bigger barn syndrome. And noting the end of the parable that Jesus was teaching, he says this about this guy. This guy thought if I could just get bigger barns to put in all of my stuff, and get bigger buns again, and put in more of my stuff, then I'll be able to sit back and, and have no cares, and my, secu my, my secure future, my future, I'm having a bad one this morning, my future will be secure. That's what he thought. Money is a false god, and it wants to promise us security. Money says to us, the more of me you have, the more secure your future will be. But the truth is, in this parable here, we see that God comes to this man and says, you fool, you've put all of your treasure in your so-called secure future, but now tonight your soul is required of you. Who then will have all of this wealth that you've gained? Listen to what Jesus says in the end here. I love this thought here. He says, so is he or she who lays up treasure for themselves and is not rich towards God. Amen. So money is a false God. It promises happiness and it promises security. Can I say today that I believe with all of my heart that only God can provide true joy and only God can provide true security in Jesus Christ. Amen. Because too many people, when they put all of their trust and all of their eggs in one basket, potentially have a suddenly in their lives. The man in Luke chapter 12 put all of his security and all of his trust in his wealth, but then he had a suddenly in his life, his whole life turned upside down. God's not wanting us to trust money. God's wanting us to trust him. Amen? Thanks, Rob. Got a little clap down the front there. Is it all right this morning? You know, um, I had, um, some, you know, people get all weird in church when we talk about money. There should, shouldn't be any weirdness about it at all. Uh, but I had a pastor mate some time ago, we were talking about giving and encouraging people about giving. He said, I never talk to the church about giving or money. He said, I don't want to offend anyone. And I thought, what an idiot. <laughs> I did, I thought, what a, you're so dumb, it's not funny. Why? Because we need to teach people 
or pastors need to teach people about what the Word of God says about handling money. How to position our lives to be blessed by God. Amen. Jesus spoke so much about stewardship. In fact, the second biggest theme in the Scripture after salvation, God's plan from Genesis to Revelation, is salvation. The second biggest one within the Bible is stewardship. How we, you and I, handle what God gives us. Amen. So we need to be talking about it more and more and more. And um, uh, for the next year, we're going to continue along this series. Now, just joking. But we're going to share a couple of more thoughts here. So the question I have this morning is this. Why did God make us so, so rich? Well, there's a couple of thoughts for that. The first one is this. You're going to love this. Why did God make you and I so rich? Number one, God wants us to enjoy what he has given us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can't wait to get that boat out. Get on the ocean. About this time of the year, the salmon schools are around, the whales are out there, flat out going 50 k's an hour across the swell, and my hair waving in the background. I mean, I'm living the dream. I'm enjoying everything that God's given me. Amen. Hallelujah. Wake up in the morning, go out, stand on the deck of the house, and just look out over the, over the, the escarpment and just think, how beautiful is this God? wants us to enjoy everything that he's given us. We serve a father in heaven that loves us and wants to give good things to his children. Aren't you happy about that this morning? I certainly am. God's not up in heaven. He's not a Scrooge. He's not tight. He's not lousy. He's generous, amen. And he wants to bless his children, amen. Some of us go, oh, I just am not worthy of being blessed. How ridiculous is that? You're a child of God we need to expect, as we position ourselves according to the principles in the Word of God, to be blessed by our Father in heaven. What father, earthly father, doesn't want to bless their children? There wouldn't be many. It's probably a couple. But most of the fathers in this place, all of the fathers in this place, I would say, would want to bless your children. You'd want to, you'd want to bless them with uh, kind words, um, with, with money, um, or with, with a gift. That, that's the heart of an earthly father. Well, how much more for our heavenly father? Amen. God, the Bible says, God has given us all things to enjoy. First Timothy chapter 6, God has given us all things for us to enjoy. That's the heart of God. So the first thought is God wants us to enjoy everything. The second thought is this. Why has he made us so rich? Why am I so filthy rich? He wants us to realize that what he's given us is not just for us, that God wants us to be generous with what he has blessed us with. Thanks, Rob. Want another 50? You getting it this morning? See, what I'm talking about today, the topic that we're talking about, if you can, if you can put, put aside your bias and just sit there and go, oh, the pastor's after our money. I'm not after your money. I'm after your blessing. You can just get that in your heart. That's what we're talking about. So the second thought is this. God wants us to be generous with what he's blessed us with. In fact, there's a scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 11. It says this. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Listen to the Bible there. It says, uh, no, that's uh, the next screen. Is it there? I'm not quite sure if it is. I'll read it to you again. It says that you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous 
on every occasion. That's God's plan to make us rich, to enrich us. If we live in this city, and like I said before, if your income is more than 30000 a year, you are rich already by default. Oh, well, you don't know, Shane. You know, the, pe- the person next door, they've, they've got a 21-foot boat. Yeah, they're really rich. It's all, it's all about the attitude. It's not about how m- many dollars you've got and what's in your driveway and in your garage. It's about your attitude. You're rich. You're filthy rich thing. Amen? We're so rich. But it says there, being rich on every, excuse me, being enriched in every way so that we can be generous on every occasion. For Rach and I, one of the every occasions for being rich towards God, listen to what this morning, is by bringing our tithe to God every Sunday. We've focused some of our riches on the house of God and on every Sunday in our, in our married life, which is 21 years um, now, and Previous to being married, we were always tithers. We always brought to God on Sunday our first and our best. That's how we became rich and are rich on every occasion. On every Sunday when we come in the house of God, we focus some of our riches towards God. Amen. And we base that thought there out of this scripture in the Old Testament. Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. It says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Hallelujah. Listen to it. The word tithe comes from the Hebrew word massah, which means a tenth. To bring the whole tithe into what? What does it say to bring the whole tithe to? The storehouse. You know, many scholars, when they look at that scripture there, um, they look at the word storehouse. Most scholars believe that the word storehouse is a picture for the New Testament church. Amen. So when we come on Sunday, we bring our first and we bring our best. We bring part of our riches based on that scripture, bringing a tenth of our income. We bring it to the house of God and we direct our riches towards heaven. Hallelujah. I'm going to share one scripture at the end. If we can get this scripture, it will change our lives and our perspectives. Amen. So we bring our first and our best into the house of God, the storehouse. We do that because we believe that the local church is the, is the greatest organization uh, on the planet that has the potential to change lives. We invest in what we believe in. Amen. Hallelujah. You know, in the past, I've had conversations with people that say that they don't tithe because tithing was part of the Old Testament law and now we're in the New Testament covenant. And I agree. If you tithe out of a sense of law, You're tithing out of an Old Testament uh, mindset, tithing out of the law. God doesn't want us to bring our first and our best to him based on law. God's looking for us to bring our first and our best to him out of our love. Amen. In fact, many people would go, you know, um, um, about the Old Testament and about the the tithe being out of law and tithing doesn't apply to us today. Well, I I just want to say we bring our first and our best for a couple of reasons. The first reason is this, is that Jesus affirmed tithing in the New Testament. Matthew chapter 23, verse 23. Jesus affirms it. If you look at the the scripture uh, in verse 23 of chapter 23, we, we see Jesus challenges the religious 
uh, uh, leaders and, and talks to them about tithing um, the, the, the last mint in your garden, but then ignoring the, the most important things about justice, mercy, and faith, so true. And then he goes on to say, yes, you should tithe the living Bible, but you shouldn't leave the other things more, more important undone. I think this. If Jesus didn't think tithing was important, he wouldn't have affirmed it. Hallelujah. Not many people have left yet. That's awesome. People are like, I want to go, but I can't because people will see me. God doesn't need your money, but he wants what, what it represents is your heart. So Jesus affirmed it. The second thought about this is people say to me and then have said to me that it's a part of the Old Testament law. Well, I want to I just challenge that this morning because tithing didn't begin as, as, as an act of law, but it began as an act of worship. Hello? It didn't, didn't start as a law. It started as an act of worship. We see in Genesis chapter 14. Um, I'll read it to you very quickly, then we'll start to wind up. It says, Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought bread and wine. He was the priest of the Most High God. And he blessed Abram, who eventually became Abraham, saying, Blessed be Abram, who became Abraham eventually, by God's Most High, creator of heaven and earth. And praise be to God, Most High, delivered your enemies into your hand. Then Abram gave him a tenth of everything. Abram's act of worship towards God, the, the, the priest Melchizedek, was to give him 10% of what he had. Tithing began as an act of worship. It was over 400 years later before it came law. Many people won't bring their first and their best because they're fearful. If I give that, I'm going to lose it. It's crazy. We bring our first and our best, as Abram did, as an act of worship to God, to say, God, thank you for everything that you've blessed me with. So incredibly blessed. So that's the reason that Rachel and I, we, we bring our tithe. Those of you, um, excuse me, uh, Abraham, yeah, and the significant event preceded the law of the giving approximately 400 years as I said that. And contrary to the misconception, tithing did not begin as Mosaic law. It started as an act of worship. So today as I conclude, I want to give you two main reasons why we tithe or two main benefits why we tithe. The first one is this. If you're taking notes, it'll be up on the screen. Number one, tithing teaches us to continually put God first. That's what it teaches us. Deuteronomy chapter 14, 23, it says, The purpose of tithing is to teach you always to put God first in your life. Tithing teaches us to put God first. It's a constant weekly reminder. Every time that God blesses us, we worship Him with our tithe and that we worship Him with our first and our best and we trust Him to bless the rest and He does. You know what tithing also does? It mitigates the deceitfulness of riches. Matthew chapter 13, deceitfulness of riches. They had the word, but the deceit of riches started to enter their heart. Tithing, when we done, it, it, it mitigates the potential of the deceitfulness of riches because it reminds us that we had to put God first. The second thing that it teaches us as we conclude this morning, tithing increases 
our faith in God. As we tithe each week, we bring our tenth into the house of God. It increases our faith in God. It just doesn't make sense that 90%, because I give him 10, and then all I have is 90% with God's blessing, somehow supernaturally goes further than having 100% without it. And those that are tithers are nodding their head right now and their heart going, yeah, you're right. It doesn't make sense, but it continually just adds up. God takes the 90% and blesses it as we are faithful to bring the 10% with him. So how does tithing increase my faith? Well, listen to this thought this morning. It takes faith to give to God. Giving to God first builds our trust in him. But if you give what's left over, that takes no faith. In fact, giving our first and our best is exactly how God gave to us. If you don't get anything else this morning as I start to conclude, get this this morning. Don't miss this power. Scripture says that while we were still sinners, God gave Christ, uh, Christ gave his life for us. Before we ever worshipped him, before we committed our lives to him, that's how God gave to us. He sent his son first before we did anything. And that's how God gave to us. And God asked us to give to him that way as well. Giving him our first and our best. In fact, it's so crazy. It's so hard for us to get our rational minds around it. Perhaps that's why this is the only area in the whole of the Bible, Old Testament and New Testament, right? You got it? It's important. The only part in Old and New Testament where God says, test me about this. The only part. God doesn't say anywhere else, test me about salvation, test me about anything else. This is the one area in the whole Bible that God says to his people, test me and prove me in this. It's the only area within the whole Bible where God says, try me. You know, we, we say to folk, and a guy laughed, you probably laughed this morning. I am so convinced and committed about the benefits of tithing that I would say to you this morning, if, you, if you're not a tither, then test God, try him. Do it for four, week, four weeks. I lost a finger then, Dave. I don't know where it went. There it's Steve. It's back again. But we say to people, if you're, you're, you, you want to test God and prove God in this, then tithe for four weeks. And if there's no change in your life, in your relationship, in, in your home, in your finances, in, if you don't see any change in your life, come to me and ask me and I'll give you every cent back. That's crazy. That's because we know that tithing and bringing God our first and our best works. Because after he says, test me and try me in this, he goes on to say, and see that I will not open up the windows of heaven over you, and there will be such a blessing that there will not be room to be able to contain it. Amen. For our family, we worship God first. We give him our first and our best and believe that he will bless the, the rest, amen. That's why God says, test me and then see if I will not open up the floodgates of heaven, physical, emotional, relational, spiritual, every area of our world changes. Something happens as we honor God with our first and with our best. It's a quiet Baptist church this morning. You're a quiet bunch. This is so good for us. 
So I want to conclude. If I could just have the band come back up, that would be great. I want, I want to conclude this morning just with one, one thought. And listen, I'm just the donkey this morning, Eeyore, the, the messenger. This is not about trying to you know, massage people to bring their tithe. Keep it. I don't want it. If your attitude's like that, it's a bad one. Keep it. I don't want your money. But we're after what your money represents, your heart. Hallelujah. This morning, as we conclude, if you, you can just get this one thought, it will change your life. Pretty big. Big statement. God doesn't need your money, but he wants what represents your heart. He wants you to trust him more than your riches. We've touched on this verse of scripture a couple of times, and I want to finish with it this morning. Matthew chapter 6, verse 21, King James Version states this. Jesus speaking, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Who's heard that many times? Yeah, heaps of times we've heard it. Notice that this verse is the opposite of the way that we think. We think wherever our heart is, our treasure will be also. Or whatever our passion is, that's what we'll support. Listen, this is not what Jesus said, and his ways are far above our ways, aren't they? They are, they're so far above our ways. Jesus said this, in this verse of Scripture, Jesus said, our heart is the follower, not the leader. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Our heart will follow our treasure. Our hearts follow our treasure. So if my treasure's in my, my, my boat, all of my treasures in my boat. Guess where my heart's going to be? Down in that marina. Goodness gracious me, I can't wait for those Sundays to come. Be awesome. You come and mark? Absolutely awesome. You can tell where people's treasure is on a Sunday. You've just got to drive around. You see them out polishing their car. That Laura Whalen, she's not here this morning. She is. I drove her car. That was frightening, Steve. Seriously. Worse went, oh, I'm not getting in it then. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be. If you want your heart to be focused on heaven, if you want your heart to be, to be directed towards heaven, if you want your mind to be directed in that way, in that place, then you place your treasure in heaven because your heart follows. Well, I thought that was good, Dave. I, when I was just praying through that, I thought that's a good, good thought there. You get it this morning? Where your treasure is, your heart will follow. 
Your heart follows after your treasure. Want your heart to be anchored to heaven, then focus your treasures towards heaven. Amen? And one of the ways that we get to be generous every week is by bringing our tithe into the house. Amen. Bringing our first and our best. Let's pray this morning. Heavenly Father, we just thank you this morning for your heart, your desire to want to bless us. But Lord, as it's stated in your word in the book of Timothy, that you have given us all things richly for us to enjoy. Thank you, Lord. But Lord, help us as a, as a community, as a church, help us not to put our, our faith and our trust in our finances, in our riches, Lord, but help us to put our faith and our trust in you, God, that you are our provider, that you supply all of our needs according to your riches in glory. And Jesus, as you've said today in the word, that is wherever our treasure is, there our hearts will be as well. Lord, we thank you this morning. Help us as a people to continually focus our treasure towards heaven. Because as we do that, Lord, our hearts follow. Our hearts are directed towards heaven. Well, every head's bowed and eyes closed. If you're in this place this morning and you have not yet taken that offer of salvation that God offers us through his son, Jesus, then this morning I would love to give you an opportunity in a moment just to say yes to Jesus. He loves us so greatly, so powerfully, so wonderfully that he was willing to go and die that wicked death on that cross so that we could be forgiven because of our sin. That because of what Jesus did on the cross today, we can be made right with God. We can have a relationship with God. Not know God in our heads, but know God from our hearts. Amen. It's what the Bible calls being born again confessing our sin before God and receiving God's forgiveness so that we can have right relationship and right standing with him. And I don't know everyone in this building this morning, but if you're here from the left to the right, if you have not yet asked Jesus to be your savior, you've not asked for the forgiveness that comes from God through his son, Jesus, then while heads are bowed, eyes are closed, would you raise your hand very quickly? If you're here this morning and you're away from God, you're not right with God the way that you know you should be, and if you would, very quickly raise your hand as well. God, we thank you this morning for your great grace and your great mercy. Hallelujah. Father, thank you. Father, thank you. Father, thank you. Amen. Awesome.